Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. God bless. A few weeks back, um, actually, as before I get started, I just want to thank Pastor Joel for uh, taking the word the last two weeks. Uh, yeah. I appreciated the word. And uh, I thank God for uh, the body of Christ as, he, as Pastor Joel was speaking about being members within the body. Two weeks ago, we received members into the, this local uh, body of believers. And uh, there's also a continued uh, uh, expounding of, of 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about being members and, uh, within the body and also the gifts of the Spirit that God wants to use through us. The week before our uh, Pastor Joel uh, spoke, uh, had started a series entitled Kings and Priests. And today I want to continue with that. And uh, before I give you the title, I just want to read from 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. And it talks about who we are in Christ, who you are in Christ. It says, you are a chosen generation. You've been chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many are in his marvelous light? Come on, let's give a shout. Are you in his marvelous light? Yeah, absolutely. I just thank God that he has taken me out of darkness into his marvelous light, that he's taken you out of darkness, and that he's put you into his marvelous light, and that we would proclaim him, that we would praise him in who we are. We were once, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Today I want to talk about dealing with major problems. And last time we, we, we talked about Solomon and it was like, here's the, the wisest king because the Lord had given him wisdom. But I want to say this, that even if you are given wisdom, you still have free will to apply that wisdom in your life or not. And we saw last time, if you missed it, it was July 2nd, uh, catch that service, the, this series called Kings and Priests. We're going to continue on. And uh, today we're going to be talking about another king, Hezekiah. And I'll, I'll talk to, about him in a few moments. But before I do, I want to uh, just read a few verses uh, that, that are preceding the two verses I just read. So 1 Peter 2 verse 1. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go there, and I want you to grab a hold of this um, a, a, before we get into uh, the meat of today. So Peter, the disciple of Jesus, and he writes these two letters, and this is the first of the letters that he writes, two short letters. He says, therefore, laying aside all malice or wicked intent, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all speaking or evil speaking. He's talking to the believer. As newborn babes, so even to the newest of believers, these are things that we should be getting rid of, and even to those that are, are older as believers. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I, got, I had a picture of uh, our granddaughter, Ophelia, and it's like, I cannot believe how, how much weight she has gained to the point, like she's got creases all over. Like she's got this crease right in the middle of her, her upper thigh. It's like, how is that even possible? It's like she has grown so much. There's a desire and a need for that pure milk of the word. We need the word. It is so good to see 
you here on a, a beautiful summer's day that you have chosen to say, we will be in the house of the Lord. I want the word of God. I want to hear the word of God. Praise God. That you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You've tasted. I would say, yes, you've tasted that the Lord is good in your life. It says, coming to him as to a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. He was rejected by man. Like they, to the point of them yelling, crucify him, crucify him. But he was chosen by God and precious. His reason for coming was to die on a cross for us so that we could have life. Even as he rose from the dead, that we can rise to new life. Even as we are dead in trespasses and sins, that we could have life. So chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> a holy priesthood. The verse, verses, a few verses later, talks about a royal priesthood. That's why this series I'm entitling Kings and Priests. A royal priesthood. We have the authority of God Almighty and the intent of the authority that we have is to minister, to use that authority to minister life to others in authority. Now I want you to know, even when it comes to the things of the demonic, it says... Those that believe in Jesus' name, they will cast out demons. So even when it comes to that which is of demons, we have authority over them. And even when it comes to the influence of demons in our life, we have authority over them. I just want you to know that if you are being plagued by demons as a believer, or even influence to a certain extent that there is authority to cast them out and if you are not in that place that you would have others that you can go to and say hey listen can you pray for me because the enemy is influencing me and we'll see today some of the influences that were were being done or on the the people and on kings and on the priests from the old testament there is one king after another. We're talking hundreds of years of illustration of kings, and I'll touch on that in a moment. We have authority. We are a royal priesthood together. Not just a king, not just a priest, but a royal priesthood, a king and a priest together, combined. In Revelations 1, verse 5 and 6, it talks about the fact that we are kings and priests unto God because of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our life. The moment you give your life to the Lord, the very same moment is the moment that the authority of Jesus Christ comes upon you. I want you to know, for especially those that are young believers, the authority and the power that you have. You have the authority in Jesus' name and because of what he did and what he accomplished on the cross. It says he made a show of them publicly, of the enemy publicly. Defeated them in his death. I want you to know that. Had an interesting thing happen just the other day. Dealing with demonic influence in a person's life. Even to the point, you need to recognize this. A discerning of the spirit, to discern the spirit and the spirit that is at times impacting a person. And over the number of years that I've known this individual, 
plagued, professing to be a believer, plagued, plagued, influenced. I just, I, just, I want to give this illustration because I want you to know there, there will be times where you are meeting up and you recognize there's something not right, whether it's with this individual or there's sometimes, sometimes it might be there's something not right with you in how you're dealing with things or not dealing with things. And you recognize this is beyond just my flesh. There's a demonic influence that is attempting to, to steal from me, to steal, kill, and destroy with this individual. And I've come to recognize, I mentioned a few weeks back, do not argue with the demon. Can't argue with the demon. You will be caught up for whatever, hours in discussion with, with the influence even of a demon in a person's life. Don't argue. So when you're dealing with somebody that is plagued, and we probably will start seeing this more and more because I just in the last month and a half, two months, it's been like four incidents now, even more. Why? Because the Lord says, I want you as a king, the authority that you have, to minister, the priest ministers, people need to be set free. And here's what I've, I've come to realize. That rather than talking to the individual, I had said to this person, I'm not talking to you right now. I am talking to the demon. In Jesus' name, get out. In Jesus' name, get out. There was an attempt. I'll tell you, there was more than one demon. But at one point, I, I, I said to the person, as I switched back and forth from talking to the person to the demon that was influencing, I said, I'm talking, and I mentioned the person's name, I'm talking to you now. And the, and the person or spoke back to me, I am not that person. I am not that person. So I said, I'm talking to you now. And the voice back to me was, I am not that person. In other words, the demon was speaking at that moment. The authority that we have in Jesus' name, that we would recognize the authority that we have in Jesus' name. And what I've come to recognize, that if, if the person... If you continue to come against the demons, eventually that person will very quickly leave because the demons will have them leave and they'll, they'll move awake very quickly. And that's exactly what happened in this situation as there continue to be a coming against the demons that were involved in this person's life. Once again, plagued, plagued, plagued. The Lord wants to set this person free. This person I believe, will be set free and will give glory to the Lord. Absolutely. Pastor Joel and I were there. The individual left very quickly. This is now another second time, just in the, in the last little while. When you come against a demon, if that person has enough strength or whatever, even that that those demons that are trying to get them to go away because they recognize that if they stay, they're going to be cast out so that the person can be set free. They need Jesus in their life. If they don't have Jesus, they may know of Jesus, but if they don't have Jesus in their life, that there is the gospel preached, that there be a, a cleansing. The only way a person can be cleansed is by the blood of Jesus. So I want you to know today, do you have to be afraid? Absolutely not. We do not have to fear the enemy. This is the third time now to intimidate. The third time now, in just a month and a half, two months, I had the individual come that I was dealing with 
three different individuals, come right into my face, literally this far away, to intimidate. The enemy is there like a roaring lion. He wants to intimidate. All he can do is intimidate. He can't touch you because you are a child of God. We would know the, the authority that we have. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the foundation. It is the foundation and needs to be the foundation of our life. And you will not be disappointed. In other words, or it says here, you will not be put to shame. means you won't be disappointed as you stay on Jesus Christ. For goodness sake, don't walk away. Don't do your own things. Lord, I'm going to go according to your word. Now this verse has to do with Psalm, is actually a quote directly from Psalm 118, verse 22, which was written a thousand years ago, and we'll touch on that psalm at the very end. It's beautiful, a beautiful psalm. And I want you to know today, some of the things that I'm going to say may be offensive to you, but my intent is that you would have life, that you would not be tossed to and fro, that you would not be all over the place, that you would not be overwhelmed, but that you would be able to deal with the major problems in your life, these issues that you have in your life, in victory. And moving forward, especially in these days, I just say, thank you, Lord. As dark as it is out there, the light is shining. Jesus is coming soon. He is coming so soon. And there is so much work still to be done. I, just, I can't wait. I, I already see the things that are being done in your lives. I see the work that's being done in those that have just recently given their life to Jesus. I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing that only you can do to change life. Hallelujah. We will not be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Now listen. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those who are disobedient. And the builders say, man, we don't need that. We don't need Jesus. For goodness sake, don't you ever say, I don't need Jesus. Or don't you ever go somewhere else or look to the things of man to grab your solution or to take a solution from the things of man or the hand of man. Do not be disobedient to the word of the Lord. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, Isaiah 8 14 is the passage that this is, is coming from. It's quoted from the Old Testament. And they stumble, the disobedient stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. The Lord is saying, I want to bless you. And the person is disobedient to the word of the Lord. And they wonder, why do I have struggles? Now, I recognize some struggles we have are because of the enemy attacking or the things of life, the storms of life. We will go through those. But there are other times where a person is stumbling or being over, or overcome, and they're stumbling because they hear the word and they're not doing the word. That's being disobedient. Don't do that. It's a detriment to you. And then it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, you didn't belong to God, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Let's give the Lord a hand. He is worthy. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we had um, three weeks ago, three Sundays ago, as we started the series, we talked about the failure of the wisest man who happened to be a king as well, was the son of David. King David, and one of his sons was Solomon, and uh, Solomon was given wisdom, and he served the Lord, 
He served the Lord for a good chunk of his life. He is not included with the kings that, that did that which was right in sight of the Lord. And this, this, I mentioned last time, bothers me that he didn't finish. I'm praying to God that, that he swung around. But according to scripture, he did not. I don't know if we're going to see Solomon, King Solomon in heaven. Even though he wrote the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And his main failure... I listed five things, but his main failure was to not just read the word of God, not just to read it, but to obey it. So he knew the word, but he failed to obey the word. And that was his downfall, especially at the end of his life. So just quickly, uh, I want to just lead into Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. And, uh, but before that, just a little bit of background. I gave it last time as well. There are only three kings that ruled over all of Israel. King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. Rehoboam, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, there was a split in the kingdom. And so you had the northern, or 10 of the tribes chose to say, we will not, we're not going to be a part of your kingdom. We're not going to do the, uh, give taxes. We're not going to do this. And so 10 of the tribes moved apart and they, they took their own king. And so there was two kings over the northern, or one king over the northern tribe, one king over the southern tribe. And this went on for hundreds of years. So there were only three kings that ruled over all of Israel. In total, there were 42 kings and one queen that ruled over the, either of the kingdoms in total. So between the two kingdoms, there were 42 kings and one queen. So after the first three kings, there were another 38 kings and, as I mentioned, one queen. And of those of the northern kingdom, listen, every single king of the northern kingdom, all 19 of them did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Every single one. And as a result of that, in 722 B.C., so from about 940-ish or so when Solomon was king or had finished being king, to 722 B.C., there were 19 kings and at that point, the king of Assyria came and basically took those 10 tribes and he took them away from uh, Israel. And they were, they were scattered all over by the Assyrian king and put in different places. They were conquered. And so these 10 tribes are, are, were gone in 722 B.C. The amazing thing is all had warnings by the prophets. The kings, every single king in the northern kingdom had warning after warning. We're talking generations of people that were impacted by these wicked kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did not. They were children of God. They were, they were supposed to serve God and they chose not to. The southern kingdom had 19 kings and one queen. And they lasted about 150 years longer, almost 150 years later that they, uh, they chose or they didn't do uh, what was right. But of those at least 263 years that I calculate, there were eight kings that were good. And the, the amazing, the beautiful thing is for, for a number of them, for five of those eight, it was father and son. The father served the Lord and the son 
served the Lord as well as king. So A King Asa and his son Jehoshaphat served the Lord. Joash served the, was king for 40 years. His son Amaziah then became king for 29 years. And Amaziah's son, Azariah, or Uzziah, reigned for 52 years. And the great-grandson of Joash, Jotham, served the Lord as well. Four kings in a row that served the Lord this period of time. One, the, the kingdom was blessed, was blessed. And you say, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm telling you. You can be a king and a priest that serves the Lord, or you can be a king and a priest that doesn't serve the Lord, or we fudge. We start fudging in our lives. You just say, you know, I, I'm not going to obey here. I'm not going to do, I, you know, and there's things that slide into your life. I'm telling you, it's going to impact your life if you start saying, well, I, you know, I, can, I will obey here, but I won't obey there. And there's this slide to a place that is not good in your life. And I'm saying to you, with the amount of time that we have left, we don't have much time left before the Lord comes back. That we would be those that would be serving the Lord when that trumpet sounds. That we not be those that would say, I'm going to be disobedient because there will be a stumbling. And we'll stumble over that cornerstone will stumble over the word, being disobedient to the word. Practicing the practice of sin it is our choice to do good or evil, to do what is right in the sight of the Lord or not. It's your choice as a child of God. Now, of the eight kings, Hezekiah was the most godly. And it's amazing when I, I was reading, and you'll, you'll read, especially in, in Second Kings, First and Second King, or Second Kings, you'll read that they, the kings did what was right inside of the Lord, but they kept the high places, or they didn't get rid of this these these places of worship that were not to God. I was like, why, why didn't you get rid of those things? Now, they, were, they did which, which, which was right in the sight of God, but there were certain things that they allowed to stay in. But Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Hezekiah ruled from about 725 B.C. to about 697 B.C., about 20, or he was in for 20, 29 years. And it says he was like his father David, now, David lived around 1,000 B.C., and yet, it's, it always, to those kings that did, which was right, David was their father. Did like his father, David, like generations down. They were all descendants of King David. It goes back to David, even though David was flawed. But he had a heart of God, and when he, when he sinned, there was a repentance that took place. We can read of that in Psalm 51 as he cries out to God, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. That the spirit of God would not leave us. Say, God, I want your spirit in my life. It doesn't mention his father Ahaz because his father Ahaz was a wicked king. I say, thank you, Lord, that even though we might have be or have parents that are, are, you know, unbelievers. I know some of you that have given your life to the Lord, your parents don't serve the Lord, and I know you're praying for, for your parents or your siblings to come to know Christ, and I'm in agreement with you. But I thank God that it doesn't matter our background, where we've come from, but the choices we make to serve God, to trust in Him, to believe in Jesus Christ. King Hezekiah witnessed the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And he was also king of Judah during the siege of Jerusalem by Sennacherib in 701 B.C. So 
and we're going to, we'll talk about some of this stuff, the, this battle against uh, Sennacherib <coughs> as, they, as he lay, lay siege, Assyrian king that laid siege later after the first uh, taking of the northern kingdom. Hezekiah enacted sweeping reforms, and we'll, we'll talk about that in, in the coming weeks because how does that apply to our lives? How does that apply to our lives? It says, no king of Judah among either his predecessors or his successors could be compared to him. There's none like him before or after from the time of David. There was no other king that was like him before or after him. So I want to look into more of Hezekiah's, Hezekiah's life <coughs> and also the, the impact that the king has on the priests, a good king and the effect that he has on the priests and how that relates to us. All right, dealing with some major problems here. <coughs> I want to go to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. This is, this passage is three years before the northern kingdom is wiped out. And Isaiah is speaking to not just the southern kingdom, but he's also speaking to the northern kingdom. And he's warning them. And so listen to what the warning is. And there's three areas of concern. I want to I touch on those for us as believers. And he gets right, right to it right away. Verse 1, Isaiah 28, verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim. And so Ephraim was the largest of the ten tribes by far. And so Ephraim is basically the northern kingdom. So woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant or the flush vibrant valleys to those who are overcome with wine. So two things that come out very quickly here. Number one was pride. Woe to the crown of pride. Their arrogance, their, their dependence on self, dependence on their own arm, their own flesh, unwilling to listen to the prophets that were coming, unwilling to listen to Isaiah. And he's saying, you have a crown of pride. Woe to you because of your crown of pride. You are depending on yourself. Unwilling to receive the word of the Lord. Unwilling to change. Pride is a nasty thing. Let it not be a part of your life. I don't need God. I don't need to do any. I, I can do everything on my own. The other thing that's mentioned in this very first verse is this thing of drunkards of Ephraim. Alcohol was a major problem. I find that alcohol is a major problem even with believers. You might say, why alcohol? Why is it an issue? It is that which is of the, what Satan gives Rather than having the spirit of God, he gives us his spirit, which is all about the flesh. To cater to the flesh. And it grabs a hold of an individual. And it just starts to, well, what does alcohol or intoxication bring? It, it, there's an enticement. The color, all of that. And it catches, it sucks in, it confines. And as, as you consume it within a very short period of time, your judgment is impaired. And we have the law that says if your blood alcohol content is more than 0 0.08, I think it is, 0 0.08 blood alcohol content. We're talking just a little bit of alcohol in the blood. And you can, be, you can be charged with impaired driving. 
There's an impairment when it comes to alcohol. And I'll just say this. It's not just alcohol. It's whatever may impair your judgment. What is impairing your judgment? You don't, you don't make the right decisions. You're making the wrong decisions. What impairs your judgment? It impairs vision. There's a stumbling. I mentioned this, I think, in the last little while. Dave Wilkerson, a, 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 not just a pastor, but was also a prophet, an evangelist. And one of the things that he noticed when he went to Europe, especially the different parts of Europe, and would hold rallies, that the evening service was very poorly attended, or if it was, that many of the pastors were drunk because it was acceptable in their mind and thinking. So they'd come to church drunk, impaired. And so here, he's, David Wilkerson's had issue. He's gone to be with the Lord already. But he had issue when he would talk about impairment, whether it was drugs or whatever medications that are, are strong narcotics. And so he would speak out against some of these things. Thing of sorcery has to do with narcotics. Witchcraft, oftentimes, there's an involvement of nar narcotics. It's impairing the judgment, the things of the mind. What, what impairs your judgment? We get caught up. I'll tell you, there's an impairing of judgment. Some of the people that you are listening to or may be listening to, are they speaking the word of God or are they just so charismatic? You just say, wow, and your judgment is impaired. That there would be a giving of the word of the Lord. We are kings and priests, and there's numerous verses that say you should not drink intoxicating drinks. Proverbs 31, uh, 4 and 5 says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, which is another name for Solomon, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. You and I as believers, are we are kings and priests. It says here, and I ask you this question, which alcoholic beverage is not intoxicating? Tell me one alcohol that is not intoxicating. In fact, how do you become intoxicated but by taking the first sip? It's not for kings nor for princes intoxicating drink. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. And I've come to realize that alcohol impacts not just the person, but it impacts those around you. And in such devastating ways, believers. I had a pastor come over to, to my house a little while back and said, so where's the corona? Pastor. It's okay, right? I, yeah, I don't drink. There's no alcohol in my house. Somebody say, ah, oh, come on. And this is what I'm saying. When you start saying, ah, come on, just a little bit, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. See then that you walk circumspectly, wisdom, with wisdom, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. No, let's just kick back. It's the end of the day, hard work, let's have a beer. Just, it, I, why? Why? And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Like we're talking demise, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The enemy, that's his spirit. The word drunk in this verse, and do not be drunk with wine, is methusko. And methusko means to intoxicate, make drunk. 
to get drunk, become intoxicated. It's not be drunk necessarily. It's to become intoxicated. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we would have his spirit in our lives. Now listen, I'm, I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just, I am sharing the word of the Lord with you. This was a problem of not just one generation. We're talking generations. And it led, God is saying, there were 19 kings in a row that did wickedness. And there was prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet that said, repent. Don't do this. Going to the king. And it's just like, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. 19 kings. Hundreds of years. From about 940, 950 to seven. 22 B.C., that the Lord was warning. You say, well, God, you're not gracious. God is gracious and merciful. If there are things that are impairing your judgment, it doesn't have to be alcohol, you better get rid of it. For goodness sake, get rid of it. You say, Pastor, come on, don't be so legalistic. Every single person that I've had to deal with that had issue with alcohol was always extremely negative, and especially to the family. Get rid of it. So in verse 1, he gets right to the point. Behold the Lord, this is verse 2. Behold the Lord has a mighty, uh, has a mighty and strong one, like a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing. Who will bring them down to the earth with his hand? The crown of pride... The drunkards of Ephraim will be trampled underfoot. And the glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valley. I say, the glorious beauty is a fading flower. I don't know about you. Have you ever seen a rose that is in perfect bloom, in full bloom? It's like the beauty of a rose or a flower. But you go maybe a day later, and you look at the same rose, and it's beginning to fade in its glory. And it's beginning to fade in its glory. And this is what the Lord is picturing, he's saying, of, of Ephraim, the northern kingdom. At different points, they would be at a, a, at a peak time. They're saying, well, you know, we're, we've got it all together. And they must have been at that place just before. This, this was written, uh, Isaiah 28 was written 725 B.C., three years before they would be taken away. And the Lord is warning them. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, will be trampled underfoot. And the glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant or luscious valley, fruitful valley, like the first fruit before the summer, which an observer sees. He eats it up until it is still, while it is still in his hand. It's like they're going to be taken and rather, you know, you, you pick fruit. I don't know if you've ever, can you ever pick fruit without not having some of it? Before you bring it home, it's like, oh, man, I want to eat some of the fruit, and you eat it. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people. So here already, the Lord is saying, hey, I want to be your Lord. A crown of glory, a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people to those that will turn to him, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. I want you to do what is right, to do what is just before me, to do justice to him, to those, even those that are, are or that would sit in judgment before those that would sit in, just, uh, in judgment and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate, and when all hell is breaking loose, to have the strength to say, no, that will not happen. I'm going to make it through no matter what the battles are. I'm going to live justly, and I'm going to be able to overcome in the battle. And now going back to Ephraim, the northern kingdom, but they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink, are out of the way, 
The priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filth. No place is clean. Like, this is pretty heavy. Now, I'm not, I cannot just be going through the motions and being impacted by the things that would impair me. I need to deal with those things. And the Lord is saying, I want to get you out of that place. The third problem in verse 9. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk, those just drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Basically, a precept is a command, is, is how we should live. The lines are things, this is instruction on how we should live. That's how we should live. And hopefully it's not just, well, it should be even from the beginning, the moment you give your life to the Lord. Lord, let me know your word. I need to know your word. Let me know your word. I want your word. Just like a, a baby wants the milk from the mother, that we would desire the, the, the word of God as milk. And that we would desire the word of God also as the meat of the word, the depth of the word, the strength of the word. Lord, I want that. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is a refreshing, yet they would not hear. It's interesting that Paul writes this same verse, or these few verses. Brethren, 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. Let there be a growth. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, who's gonna, who will I teach knowledge to? However, in malice be babes, so in the things that we shouldn't be doing, hey, babes don't do too much malice. But in understanding, be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues, it says, are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. And there's a discussion in, in 1 Corinthians 14 about tongues and also prophecy. But it's interesting here. We're talking about wine. Don't be drunk wherein is ex excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is writing about being full of the Holy Spirit. There would be a fullness of the Spirit of God within us. One of the first signs, the first sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is speaking in another language. We had a few people just in the last little while get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in another language. I'm listening to them say, oh, thank you, Lord. One language sounded like it was Slavic. The other one was just a, just a, a repetition, like a, like a baby beginning to, to say, dad, 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 mama, mama. I don't know what they were repeating. It was like a sign. This, these signs shall follow those that believe. In Jesus' name, not only will they cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. That we would not say, Lord, I don't want these things. I, 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 no, I'm not going to have these things, but Lord, I want what is of you. I want to move in the power, in your power as a king and a priest, because just like you can affect people negatively, you can affect people positively for the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, let your, your spirit be upon me. Let me be filled with your spirit. Hallelujah. But the word of the Lord was to them, quotation mark, ah, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, another line all explaining here and there, here a little, there a little, and they mocked it. And Isaiah is saying, you are mocking the things of God. You're saying, no, 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 I don't want this. Lord, fill me with your word. Let me read your word. Let me do your word. Let me take it in. 
It is a blessing to me, and it will be a blessing to others. Lord, let me be a blessing to others. Let me be a king and a priest that will minister to others in power and authority the things of the Lord. I'll tell you, when that trumpet sounds, whenever that may be, we say, oh, my goodness, I wish we get caught up. I wish I would have said something to my brother or my sister. I wish I would have said something to my parents. I wish I would have said something to my kids, and they're left behind. I would give a precept. Maybe you are giving a precept. You're maybe giving a line to, to those that are around you. And maybe there, there's a, a re rejecting. But you don't know. The word of the Lord is like a seed. We give it, and somebody else waters, and God gives the increase. We don't know when that may take place. So give it. Give the seed of the word. You don't know if, you're, if, if there's going to be a, a, an increase of life coming to them through God, even as someone else waters. But give the seed. Hallelujah. That they might, so why? Precept upon precept, and they're mocking. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. They're mocking. That they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. And that's exactly what happened to the northern kingdom. We're talking millions of people impacted. You say, Pastor, this is a tough word. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, with hell. We are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes th through, it will not come to us. It won't touch us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves, not recognizing God is not mocked. See, that's not going to happen to me. And within three years of the warning, the northern kingdom, millions of people, ten tribes, taken away. Brutally. Brutally taken away. All right. Let me go to Psalm 118. Here's the solution. Okay? Psalm 118. And I thank God. I want to I end off on a very, very positive note here. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. You might say, man, I've been messing up. Man, man, I've been fudging. I've been justifying my behavior. I know there's been a conviction of the Holy Spirit. As long as you have breath, as long as you are breathing, the Lord is merciful if you turn to him. Can I just tell you how merciful? You know who Hezekiah's son was? Manasseh. Manasseh was the worst king that ever existed. Say, that was Hezekiah's son. And not, he ruled, of all the kings, he ruled the longest, 55 years. For 55 years. And the most time... That he was in existence and, and as he ruled. And, and the things that he, like we're talking child sacrifice, which is happening today. Child sacrifice. The kids were being burnt on these, these idols. They would be heated up with, with uh, fire. These big metal, a Moloch, the arms out, outstretched like this, and inside they would put and heat that thing up so it became red hot. They would lay the, their children on Moloch. They'd just burn, agony, agonizing death. This was to appease the, the gods, lies, Satan, steal, kill, and destroy. That was Manasseh, 55 years. 
say, God, why would you allow him to live so long? Do you know that even as judgment would come against him, that Manasseh repented? He repented at the end. He repented and he, he heeded and he turned. It's like even to the most wicked person, the Lord is merciful. You might say, why is there such evil and wickedness? There is opportunity for people to come around. They have free will. Every person has free will. And here the Lord is saying, if you repent, I will be merciful to you. They don't repent. There is judgment that comes one day. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron, not just the people, but the house of Aaron, the priests, the Levites, now say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place, in a good place. Because I called on the Lord. Listen, as you might say, you know what, Pastor, I've been fudging. I've been justifying. I've been at, at a point where it's like the Holy Spirit has been convicting me, and I've been just pushing them off. And as you call on the Lord in your distress, because I'll tell you, you'll get to a place of being in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is able to set you free. Hallelujah. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on your side as you turn to him. Lord, I'm going to grab a hold of you. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Even when there's people coming against, the Lord is on your side. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Those that are in authority, I'm going to place my confidence in those that are of, of authority, of man. It's better to put your trust in the Lord. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Says it again. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. The power and the authority that we have. In Jesus' name. The power of of God Almighty, I say thank you, Lord, no matter what may come against us. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does val valiantly. It's like the Lord fighting for us. In the righteous, my righteousness is in Jesus Christ, that solid foundation. He is the cornerstone. I can trust in him. I'm going to trust in him. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. I like that. Because he loves you, there might be a spanking, a chastening that comes in your life. And you can know it's because the Lord loves you. A parent that doesn't care says, go ahead, do whatever you want to do. I don't, I don't really care. A good parent will say, no, I'm correcting you. And there's consequences. Don't ever be afraid to say no to your children, to teach them the ways of the Lord. This is what the Lord would have you do. Do it. Do what the Lord would have you do. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. Can I just call the worship team to come as we finish off here? Open the gates to me, the gates of righteousness. I will go through them.
and I will praise the Lord. I think one of the songs that we sang talked about the doors being opened. Hezekiah, his father Ahaz was not a good king. The stuff that, that was cluttering had been put into the temple was not good. Lord is saying, hey, that there would be an opening of the doors, the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and I have become and have become my salvation. The Lord can pull you up. The Lord can get you out. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm 118, 22. That's what we're talking about. The cornerstone. The one that we can stand on and trust in. He's become the, the chief cornerstone. He was rejected and he went to the cross. And even as he died and he was buried and he rose again, he became the chief cornerstone that we can build our lives on. Hallelujah. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we stand together? Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Let's recognize Jesus' death on the cross, even the sacrifice he made for us. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is God, for his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's give him the glory and praise that is due his name. Hallelujah. You might say, you know what, Pastor? Yeah, arrogance. That's been an issue in my life. No, I, I don't need God in my life. If there's anybody here this morning, you just say, Lord, I need you. Because I'll tell you right now, if Jesus Christ is not a part of your life, he, if he has not forgiven you of your sins, and you're not placing your trust in him, you are lost. And if that doesn't change before you die, when you take your last breath, you will spend eternity apart from God because it is your choice. It's your choice. And my heart is to, that you would say, you know what, I'm not so proud to say that I can't give my life over the Lord, that I need the Lord. I'm not so proud to say that I've not sinned. I know I've sinned. Lord, forgive me of my sins. It is our sin that separates us from God. And Jesus, he came and he took our sins upon himself. That's why God is so determined that you would receive the gift of his son, the sacrifice of, of his son in your life because it is only through Jesus Christ that we make it to the Father. It is only through Jesus Christ, his broken body and his blood that was shed for us that we have forgiveness of sins because there is nothing else that can take care of sin. You might say, I've, I've repented of my sin. Well, what about all the stains that are all over you from the sins that are past? I was painting yesterday. I was just checking if it came off. I'm looking there. Oh, did it come off? It came off today as I, or yesterday. I, I recognized I was out and I was like, oh, I, I didn't wash up here. And I'm, I'm good. I covered it this morning. My shower, washed. There's nothing that can take away our sin except the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the cross of Christ is so important. That's why... He is so important. Jesus and his death for us. And with it comes the resurrection. With it comes new life. We are new creation in Christ Jesus. And he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. A word of reconciliation. We can be made right to get back into favor or to get into that place of favor with God. And that's what God wants in your life. That you would not be so proud. That you would not be distracted that your, your, your mind and your thinking would not be impaired, that your, your, 
your vision would not be impaired, that you're, well, hey, have you ever seen a drunk person? They cannot not even walk straight anymore. And they're staggering around, and that's exactly what was happening with the northern kingdom. They were staggering around because they were impaired. Their vision was impaired. They weren't going in the right places anymore. It's dark places. And God is saying, for 19 kings, for 19 kings, hundreds of years, that he's, he, he was saying, please, come back. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Get right. Get right. He's saying the same thing to you today. Hallelujah. I want to, not just with invitation, I want to give just a little bit of, uh, uh, of help in prayer this morning. And for those of you are, that are in right standing, I want you to pray to help those that are maybe not in right standing to pray along that we would make things right at this time. So can we say together, Jesus, I'm not where I should be at. I'm depending on myself or on others or on something that is not you. And I'm confessing this. I need you completely to be my cornerstone, to be my foundation. I don't want to be impaired. I don't want to have vision that is not 2020. I want to be able to see. I want to be able to move. I want to have life. I want to have fullness of life, abundance of life, eternal life. You are merciful. I place my trust in you, Jesus, the one that loved me and died for me and gave himself for me. Jesus, come into my life. You rose again. You are seated on the right hand of the Father. Be Lord in my life. That you would be seated on the throne of my life. And fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.